As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, well, apparently there is no such thing as a slow news day this week. Welcome to the <laughs> Athletic Soccer Show. My name is Alex Abnos. I am one of the managing editors for U.S. Soccer here at The Athletic, and I am joined today by my colleague Felipe Cardenas. Felipe, I mean, what can you say about this week? I woke up this morning on Friday thinking that we were going to have a nice, easy day. Season <laughs> of the weekend. It's off-season for MLS, off-season for, for NWSL. Uh, we got the big news of the week out of the out of the way on Thursday with everything happening at U.S. Soccer, and uh, instead we're greeted news with news that might be much more significant on a much longer time time frame. Than- I mean, is this a Friday news dump? Is this a, is this does this qualify as a Friday news dump for? I don't know if I don't know if it's early. I don't know if it's a little early for a Friday yeah. news dump. Usually, yeah. those are you know after four p.m. Eastern, so it's it's on the edge. But you know, we can debate that on a later version of the, the U.S. Soccer Media Podcast. I suppose at this, at this point, we should probably talk about what the news actually is yeah, that, that we're getting so hyped up about. Uh, CONMEBOL and CONCACAF, those are, the, of course, the regional federations for South America and North America, have signed a strategic agreement, which basically means that the Copa America for next year, uh, the 2024 Copa America, will be hosted in the United States and other CONCACAF countries and will involve the top six CONCACAF teams, which could, both of which presumably would include the United States and Mexico. Qualifying for that will take place uh, via the 2023-2024 Nations League. So not the Nations League that is currently happening, but the one that will eventually happen uh, later this year and into 2024. Felipe, this is a huge announcement because there is so much uh, speculation about whether or not the United States will participate in the 2024 Copa America. There was a lot of questions about where the 2024 Copa America was going to be hosted in the first place. They didn't know. We didn't know up until uh, up until today when that was actually going to happen. And yet that is only part of this announcement. This also has an impact in the women's game because the 2024 CONCACAF W Gold Cup, that is the women's version of the Gold Cup, will also include 
uh, four Conmebol guest teams in that competition. We'll have Steph Young on the show a little bit uh, to to uh, to to talk about that angle in the women's game, and then this also has an impact in the club game. Felipe, the Confederations Conmebol and Concacaf will create a new competition that will include the participation of the best men's club in South America and Concacaf. Is the headline from the press release? What this essentially means is a final four format where you uh, take two uh, of the best teams, however they determine that, from CONCACAF and two of the best teams from CONMEBOL, put them together, and you have a Final Four and then a grand champion one way or another. Felipe, a lot, a lot to take in. <laughs> a lot to take in here. Um, let's start with the international angle. The men's Copa America will be played here in CONCACAF, and it'll be what amounts to a very, very similar format that we saw in the 2016 Copa America Centenario, where you have the 10 CONMEBOL con teams and then six teams from CONCACAF. As I lay all this out for you, what are you, what's your reaction, Felipe? Well, first of all, 2016 Centenario, that was like one of the best Copa Americas uh, in, in the history of the tournament. Like, this is a very, this is, of course, the... The, the Euros of South America, it is the Continental Tournament, so much history. Uh, it's, you know, for the top countries in South America, Brazil, Uruguay, Argentina, uh, you know, they've dominated that that tournament. You know, Uruguay has won it several times. Brazil, Argentina obviously have as well. Uh, Argentina doing so for the first time since uh, in 36 years when they won it last summer. So, I think the first thing that came to mind was, okay, first of all, Tyler Adams was right. He was right. He basically was on the <laughs> record. Was that during the World Cup where he's like, hey, we're going to the Copa America. And everyone was like, what? Like, slow down. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's it's massive for CONCACAF uh, for many reasons. One, uh, the, the opportunity to, to bring the, the, the South American teams to the country in a very meaningful tournament, not just friendlies. That says a lot. If you go back to that Centenario in 2016, the attendance was excellent. The games were very good. Uh, and you saw a, a tremendous final between Chile and Argentina. Argentina losing that in penalties uh, for the second consecutive time. So there was a lot of, there were tons of storylines there. The United States were eliminated by Argentina and a absolute worldly of a free kick from Lionel Messi. Yeah. So like there was so much going on uh, and it was, a, it was just a great tournament. We talked about this offline. This is an, an op, a huge opportunity for the United States, who's hosting the 2026 World Cup, to get a dry run, a, a, essentially a dress rehearsal uh, with a mat, with a major international tournament to to essentially put the host cities uh, to the test. And so that's going to be, I think, uh, big time news in, in the next year or so. Like, who are the host cities? Which stadiums are going to be hosting Copa America games? Uh, and that'll obviously light a fire uh, just two years before the 2026 World Cup. So it's big time. It's big time because anytime you get the best players uh, in the region and some of the best players in the world to play, like I said, meaningful tournaments in the United States where you, you're almost guaranteeing great attendance, great stadiums, great atmospheres, uh, and the world coming and, and really paying attention. I mean, you can't ask for any of them more. Yeah, I mean, it, you're, to your point on the host cities, I'm really interested to see uh, what they choose in, in terms of host cities because they're obviously you'll want the big sort of like cities you would automatically think of to host a tournament like this, like New York and Los Angeles and probably Dallas, you know, maybe Atlanta where you are. But yeah. I'm also interested to see if they give any games 
to cities that are part of the U.S. and Mexico and Canada World Cup bid that are not used to hosting games like this. So they actually do get a dry run with a tournament that isn't the World Cup and have like New York, Los Angeles, like they're used to hosting big, big events like this all the time. It's not going to be it's not going to be like a huge stretch for them to hold to host a World Cup. But like a city like Kansas City is maybe in a little bit different situation. They'll want a dry run uh, like with the Copa America before the World Cup. And the same goes probably for maybe Monterey, maybe Vancouver in, in, in Canada. I mean, that would be big news. Like right now, the press release says in the United States specifically. Mm. So if they open it up to Mexico and Canada, uh, that would be interesting. You know, I think obviously for Mexico, they, they, they won't be that concerned. You know, when they come to the United States, they are, pl- they are the home team. Uh, but, you know, perhaps they would like to to get their stadiums out in front of people. And, and, and you know, the, the, the Estadio Azteca is going to be renovated. They're renovating that. Uh, but, you know, with the success of the Centenario having been strictly in the United States, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what it is. Just yeah. stick to the U.S. The other aspect of this internationally is, of course, on the women's side. And for that, we turn now to our colleague, Steph Young. Steph, welcome Thanks for coming on. I know we're all sort of running around trying to get as much information as we can about this. Uh, we're recording this literally minutes after the press release dropped. Um, the women's angle of this is is kind of interesting as well, considering that CONCACAF just recently went through a whole big renovation of its entire sort of women's national team structure, uh, which includes a CONCACAF W Gold Cup that now includes additional teams from CONMEBOL, this feels to me, Steph, like it could be something that really benefits, like something that Conmebol is looking at as a huge benefit for their national teams in the sense that like they now get to play or have a greater chance of playing against the Canada, uh, the Canada, Can- the United States and Canada and uh, to a certain degree, Mexico in an official competition. What is your read in terms of, you know, who benefits the most from this combined competition and what it could look like uh, going forward and how it could benefit uh, the women's game? I mean, I certainly hope it's the teams themselves that benefit the most. I sure. mean, as always, when you have a competition, right, the traditional worries come up like scheduling. Um, are they going to be pulling people? I mean, it'll be in FIFA windows, right? You you would imagine so. So, yeah. But like scheduling um, and then particularly with the women, I'm worried about money, like prize money. Mm-hmm. Is there real financial compensation happening for winning or, you know, placing in these tournaments? That would be a big question for me because it's like, sure, it's great to, we've all been yelling for more regional competition on the women's side for, it feels like decades now. And it probably has literally been decades. So I think that this is a good step and I would love to see this like build in consistency. So it becomes, you know, a prestigious inter-confederation tournament. And I love seeing Brazil, Colombia, Argentina, Paraguay in there, like, Um, And I think these are all teams that are going to have a good time in the competition because as we see in CONCACAF, the worry there every single time is it's great. We see some of the smaller nations come in and then every single time they get stopped like seven, nothing. Right. Because in between these competitions, where's the funding for their federation? They do they even they probably don't many many of them don't have regular camps for their players or or they're drawing, you know, heavily from NCAA students because that's kind of where their player pool gets the most development and is in like regular training environments. So I do like these Bowl nations because they've shown historically that they can be strong or stronger competitors than some of the CONCACAF minnows. So 
that aspect of it, I like. I think it's going to be an entertaining tournament. Just again, I want to know where is the money for the players? And also, to what degree is that money going to be spent on promoting and and uh, and uh, basically making sure that the standards of the tournament are up to snuff in every single venue that it, that it po- possibly can be in in the United States? Is there a particular team in South America? You mentioned a couple of them that you would be really excited to see sort of get thrown into the to the CONCACAF uh, pool and and see how they can do. Do you think there are any like style of play differences or, or or things like that that could be really interesting to see? I mean, we see the style of play differences play out already because we've seen a lot of these teams play the United States or, or Canada where there's a lot of emphasis more on possession style soccer, on build up play, on individual technique. Um, you know, Pia Santaga just did an interesting little call because she's a new head coach or was new, but she's the head coach of the Brazil women's national team. She said she was so interested in working with Brazil and Brazilian players that she said yes to the job before she knew the salary details. So, and I think that's something that you kind of have to take on board. Brazil is obviously always exciting and infuriating (laughs) to have come on board, but I think Colombia and Argentina are both teams that have kind of been ready to take that next step for a long time. And, And like, at times they've kind of taken that step a little bit and then back and then back and back like this, like back and forth. So again, yeah, I think more international games and tournaments are good for all these teams. Um, I really resonated with what you said though, about like how much money is going to get spent to promote this. Uh, Meg Linehan and I were both covering um, world cup qualifying in Monterey and the individual CONCACAF people there on the ground were so great and worked so hard and did their best. Did I see a lot of advertising in the city? Not really. I don't mm. feel like there was a lot of thought or care put into promoting the tournament locally, at least. So that's another concern that I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it is. It is a very, very minor thing in the grand scheme of things and does not indicate actually anything concrete. But I do think it's significant that this that the announcement of this joint tournament is in the same announcement as the, uh, the joint men's Copa America, which is going to get a a lot of headlines. And, you know, now people are going to be thinking of this in the, in the same sort of breath, which they should, because it's, it's a huge deal for the women's game. Felipe coming back to you really quick. Um, Actually, Alex, can I, I have something to add to that. Um, Do it on the women's side. I think, you know, Steph is bringing it up about where's the money, where's the promotion. Marketability is going to be big for, for, for this type of tournament. She mentioned Colombia and Argentina as two teams that would be, I think, ideal from Comable on the women's side coming into a CONCACAF style tournament. Why? Well, my opinion, like, first of all, Colombia has players. They have players that you can market. Linda Caicedo is going to be one of the top women's players in the world. She's only 18. She's on her way. Reportedly, you know, I think it's going to be a guarantee she's going to be at a big European club when she turns 18 in February. Uh, and then Argentina, coming off the men's World Cup win, I think hopefully there's some trickle down as far as what happens with the women's program. I, I think that in Argentina, they want that program to be competitive and to compete with Brazil, which just dominates the region. Um, so that's going to be big. If you want people to really care and if you want uh the the tournament to be stronger i think you bring in the players that are capable of doing that so uh, good shout from steph because colombia and argentina i think are the two teams other than the brazil that could do that 
Argentina especially is a women's team that has historically been very vocal about their rights and getting more support from their federation. So if they have another platform to be like, hey guys, look what we're doing with what you give us, like give us more support and we'll give you more like exciting games and stuff. We can build something with this. I think that's great. Chile as well, on the women's side as well, to, to your point, Steph, very vocal. They're, tr they're trying to push that support forward and it's the players that are doing it on their own, so... All those countries, of course, down there, absolutely soccer mad. And if, you know, just that whole region to me has always seemed like a huge, like sort of sleeping giant situation on the women's on the women's side of the game outside of Brazil, which has been a power for a long, long time. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, Felipe, coming back to you real quick on the, on the men's tournament, I meant to ask you this earlier, but there have been questions about where this tournament was going to be hosted for a while now. Uh, you know, there have been a lot of questions around this tournament. First of all, you know, people assuming that the U.S. would be able to just sort of waltz their way in, which always seemed a little bit ridiculous. Uh, but also, you know, <laughs> where was it going to be hosted? What's, what has been the history of this uh, 2024 Copa America? Why does CONMEBOL feel like they can just up and move it to the United States? Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. Like I said at the top of the pod, it's great. It's great that this tournament is coming to the United States, but it is also, it's unfortunate that it's not going to be in South America. That, that is historically where the tournament should be held. Uh, I, I truly believe that the South American countries um, that are the best organized to do so right now, the U20 Men's Championship is being held in Colombia. Attendance is good. The tournament's good. Uh, they've had, Colombia held the Women's uh, Copa America last uh, last summer. And, and so Ecuador was lined up to host the 2024 uh, Copa America. Like they were campaigning. The Federation president is on the record back in 2021 and up until probably last year uh, 
saying that this was something that they were pushing for. What happened was that the Federation didn't get the same support from the government. So there was a disconnect there. The Federation, I thought, felt, felt like this was an opportunity for Ecuadorian football to be at front and center on the continent. Obviously, we know about the players that are coming through at the national level, national team level. But as a country as, and as a federation, this was something that the Ecuadorian FA really wanted. They didn't get support from their own government, which is interesting. The government thinking that the country was not prepared to, ha to handle an international tournament of, of this stature, of this magnitude, both from an inf infrastructure standpoint, economically. There was uh, reports from the from local government officials saying we need to focus more on education and and and, and youth development outside of football. That is the priority for for Ecuador. So in the end, it's the second consecutive Copa America where the host countries back out. If you remember in 2020 when that was supposed to be co-hosted for the first time uh, by Colombia and Argentina yeah. in the midst of the pandemic. Uh, and, and civil unrest in, in Colombia. Colombia was essentially the term was taken away from Colombia by Comable and FIFA. And then Argentina said, we're not ready. We, the, the, the pandemic is still raging through our country. We cannot handle this. It was moved to Brazil. It was played without fans. So it, it's, there's a story there that Copa America is just, it's, it's like the hot potato as far as the, the host city. And the U.S. was always the one that's just there ready to take the tournament. And, and now we're seeing that come to fruition. Well, I think also the Copa America Centenario was such a huge financial success for basically everybody involved. Everyone involved, yeah. There was no way they weren't going to at least try to do something again, which is basically what this is. This is basically the Copa America Centenario, but let's run it back. And why not? <laughs> I mean, it was super fun. Everybody made a lot of money, as I said. So there's there's not a whole lot of... Uh, there aren't a whole lot of voices against it, except for maybe... Uh, the small matter of all of the many, 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 many football fans in South America that want to see this uh, tournament take place, at least on their continent. Hey, and Alex, I believe quickly uh, that Fox has the TV rights, if I'm not mistaken. They, mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they had the TV rights for the men's Copa America uh, that was just that was played before. Um, and I'm assuming they're going to have 2024. I think they, it's a couple of the deals, the big deals that they signed included the next Copa America. So English language would be on Fox, if I'm not mistaken. Steph, coming back to you real quick, what do you take away from the idea that this is, on the women's side, this is a, this is, it's kind of interesting. On the men's side, it's it's almost like uh, uh, it's positioned as, CONCACAF sort of coming like merging with Conmebol like we'll 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 throw in six of our teams to your 10 whereas on the women's side it's Conmebol saying we'll throw in four teams to your I guess however many compete in the in the CONCACAF W Gold Cup do you think it's it's like a missed opportunity in a way for women's South American football to not be able to host a tournament like this maybe have the US Mexico Canada um whoever else qualifies out of CONCACAF go down to South America for a tournament? Do you think that that's something that would benefit uh, those federations and, and those teams? And could we see something like that in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a missed opportunity to be able to tour some of the big CONCACAF teams around the nation, like not to be U.S. centric, but they do bring crowds. People love to see yeah. them play or love to root against them in the area. So they bring in the, you know, the ticket, the gate. So I think it would be great to like, have 
Comable nations host. And, you know, like Felipe said, there's varying levels of infrastructure there, which is why the U.S. tends to be. I'm thinking about the Women's World Cup in 2003, I want to say, um, where, you know, China had a SARS epidemic and they were like, oh, no, who can we get to host at the last minute? Who has a bunch of stadiums scattered <laughs> around that we can use? It's the United States. So, yeah, thanks, NFL, I guess. But <laughs> I, I, I would love to see some reciprocity going on here. Like we said before, hopefully this is a tournament that keeps going like consistently. That's what happens is like we, we haven't had consistency in like kind of big women's tournaments that aren't the World Cup or the Olympics. So right. it's hard to build up excitement. It's hard to build up rivalries. It's hard to get people to care about. It. They're like, oh, it's just a one-off tournament. Might as well just be an exhibition. So hopefully if they can tour this around the area and spread the wealth around over the, you know, the next 20 years, who knows what this tournament could be 20 years from now if they pay attention to it, promote it, and really make sure to like put it in a bunch of different venues. Do you think it's always struck me in 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 women's football that that so much of the sort of uh regular competition on the international level aside from world cup and olympics are for lack of a better term private tournaments like she i'm thinking of she believes cup arnold palmer uh not arnold palmer arnold clark uh cup uh, there was a new one that was just announced uh that i'm i'm blanking on on the participants um i know there's so many there's like icc as well sure um, right yeah do, do you think do you think that uh, a tournament like this where confederations sort of cooperate to pit other teams together could represent, I don't know about a threat, but like at least like a, a, a fight back against those sort of private tournaments or are those pretty much here to say, are they, are they just part of the ecosystem of, of women's soccer forever? <laughs> so it's a little hard to say because so much depends on execution, right? Sure. When, especially on the women's side, I'm like a broken record on this, but people are like, there's this weird thing where they're just like, oh, if we have the tournament, women's growth will naturally happen. But it's like there has to actually be someone, at least one person there who's got like a spreadsheet and a plan and is making the calls and is bugging everybody and being like, where's the money? And like making all the deals. And it just hasn't felt like that in the past. They're just like, oh, we'll throw the tournament and then the growth will happen nebulously. So I think things are going to depend a lot on the execution of this tournament. Um, I do think probably some level of private tournaments are, are here to stay because the teams, you know, you know, for some of them, it's, I don't know how much money they're making, but they're maybe getting like a little side broadcast deal out of it. And they're probably seeing the potential for investment. But like, if we think about consistency, I want to look at champions league or I want to look at UEFA. Like these are tournaments that have, been like have had the time to establish consistency yes they piggybacked a little bit on the brand recognition just on the men's side that these tournaments do get but i don't see why you can't do the same thing at least in common bowl yeah like there are some really like copa america that sort of thing they should absolutely be able to capitalize on that and yes they should be able to become a threat to the private tournaments where the teams are actually like mm, no actually we have to like reserve calendar space for these other things are more prestigious or whatever you know, even though it's national team versus clubs, but like, yeah, I would love to see it, it become a quote unquote threat to people because the private tournaments, they exist because there was, they saw a hole that they needed. There to was fill. nothing else. Yeah. yeah. They're like, Oh, all right, we'll do it ourselves. So now that the confederations are getting off their butts. Yes. I would love to see them executed so well 
that the teams are like, we don't need to do this anymore. Felipe, uh, last but certainly not least, uh, the an aspect of this release is that a uh, CONCACAF and Comnibol will also organize a centralized, quote, Final Four style club competition featuring the best clubs from the respective confederations. I'm assuming this is on the men's side, though it's not specified in the release. Um, the four participating teams, two from each confederation, will qualify through existing CONMEBOL and CONCACAF club competitions. And they are working towards the first edition of this tournament being played in 2024. This year, of course, club teams, so like Liga MX, MLS, uh, Libertadores. You can probably assume, maybe, possibly, that it would be the finalists and uh, the two finalists from the CONCACAF Champions League and the Copa Libertadores playing each other for a grand champion prize, whatever that ends up being. What's your take on this? I think, you know, this is, we're throwing it in at the end here. It's thrown at the, at the end of the pre- <laughs> press release. It's sort of like an, oh, by the way. But I think this could end up being really, really cool. Uh, what do you think about it? Yeah, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I remember there was talk of the champion, the UEFA Champions League becoming the, like a Final Four format. And that was something UEFA was interested in uh, and perhaps hosted. Like, the, the, typically, the Champions League, you get a host country where the, where the final is, whether it's yeah. Turkey, London, uh, Greece, San Siro, whatever it may be. And the, the Final Four concept is, is really intriguing, I think, in world football. They like it. The, the American style Final Four that we all know from March Madness from college basketball. Uh, and so this to me is, is sort of like a test run. We talk a lot about like dress rehearsals now for these tournaments in, the, in 2026. You know, Liga MX Mexico have been really trying to claw their way back into Copa Libertadores, get back into Copa America. Tata Martino, before he resigned after the World Cup, he, that was the one, the one hill he was willing to die on. It was like, that's how this country is going to get back to where they they, they want to be. When their club country, their club, the club teams and the country, uh, the, even the youth teams are playing in, in, in more competitions that are against better teams, specifically Comable. So, listen, I, I think even in MLS, the dream is to see MLS clubs playing against South American teams in, in meaningful games. This is not quite that because this this looks like a, sort of a manufactured tournament to to get eyes on all confederations. And, yeah. and maybe this is the entryway. Maybe this is the door being pushed open just a little bit for CONCACAF club teams to play in Copa Libertadores. That would be the dream for a lot of people, a, an actual America-style club tournament. In Comobo, I don't think they're that crazy about it. They never have been. It's just I don't very know why they would be. <laughs> they, they don't like it. They don't like to see CONCACAF teams in that tournament. And in yeah. back in the early days when League MX teams were in it, you know, a couple of League MX teams made the final, made the, the, the Copa uh, Libertadores final. They didn't win. Uh, and, and that's still sort of a, a, a sour note and, and that they, they don't want to see those clubs. They keep it the way it is. But the Copa Libertadores in South American club football is is on a bit of a decline. So anything that just juices up those competitions, I think, is good. And perhaps this is what the intention is. Well, well we can talk probably all day about how logistically you would get MLS teams and Liga MX teams to uh, actually literally like how how they would do it how like that how would, would you get down to, how would you get down to south america and back multiple times uh just through the course of a season especially in mls where you have a salary cap and limited just get rid of the leagues alex get rid yeah. of the leagues and let's all just play no international league, yeah. tournaments get, i think get i think there's a term for that this this super league super like league the, yeah the ultra yeah. league we can do this <laughs> I, I don't i don't see why not um steph young felipe cardenas it's been a busy day already 
Thank you so much for taking some time out of it to, to talk about this huge release. I'm sure we'll have much, much, much more coverage to come on The Athletic uh, so you can read all about it there. Uh, until then, thanks so much for coming on, y'all. <laughs>